0: So, hi everyone! Welcome to uh, the bonus uh, segment for the Red Black Party episode of Drafting Archetypes, in which I will answer any questions that uh, my Twitch chat has. So, uh, Twitch chat, take it away. You got anything for me? Crickets. Did I get it all? All right, we got so we got some questions. It's just taking people some time to type. All right. So Eric asks. What are your thoughts on Seagate Colossus and how often it has a home in either of the party decks? Great question. So uh, Seagate Colossus is the seven mana seven five uh, artifact creature warrior common. Um, I do like it reasonably well in blue white party where you are looking for warriors and a lot of the warriors aren't very good and you're very good at assembling a lot of types very early and so you can generally cast it for you can generally cast it on turn five sometimes on turn five it'll cost you five mana sometimes it'll co- cost you four mana but you can like safely think of this as a card that you're going to cast on turn five in blue white party in red black party i like it less than i like it in blue white party uh it's Extremely unlikely that the fact that it's a warrior once you play it is going to matter. You already had one when you cast it, and you were probably already turning on your warrior synergies. A lot of the red-black cards have cost reduction for party as, like, what their payoff is. Shatter Skull Minotaur, Zygris Thief of Heartbeats. Like, these are uncommons and rares, but uh, your good decks will have some of them. And Seagate Colossus is... oh, and uh, Thwart the Grave. Uh, so Seagate, Seagate Colossus is competing for that kind of space and it's also just top end in a really aggressive deck that's not necessarily looking for that kind of top end. So it's uh, I, I have it kind of in my lowest tier of cards that are worth noting for this archetype like it's playable but I rarely play it. Um, so it, it's certainly not a priority for me it's the kind of thing where you know maybe one of them will end up in my pool and if I decide that I uh, am maybe particularly good at enabling it or maybe just like looking for a finisher type, you know, top end creature. I think it's better to think of this kind of thing as top end creature rather than finisher. I think people get hung up on like this idea of having win conditions or whatever, but just like if my curve's too low and I want something big to do, um, it's it's a playable way to get that, but not a priority. Next question is on the point about tricks versus Vanquish. Uh, does that change if you have more, bu- the more bu- bug catchers you have? Uh, specifically Subtle strike versus Vanquish. If it changes, it changes in the direction of having a preference for Subtle Strike. Uh, because Subtle Strike offers like a two-size difference in a head-to-head to head combat where you get to give your uh, your creature plus one and their creature minus one, it's really easy to save a bug catcher with uh, Subtle Strike. It's like as easy as it is with an in, in, inordinate rage. Uh, so your opponent needs a four power creature for you to be unable to save your bug catcher, and so many of the creatures that your opponent's going to be trading off with are three threes because there are, or well, three x's because there are a lot of uh, creatures with three power at both uh, three and four mana, where uh, there are relatively few creatures with four power at four mana, um, especially like I mean there are the two uh, three two three two four three warriors but neither of them is especially good, so it's rare that that's the creature that you happen to be lined up with. So um, if we're talking about attacking and pushing my bug catcher through some kind of like 2-2 or 3-2 or whatever, or 3-3 that's gonna block it, if I vanquish, their creature's dead and I hit them with a bug catcher. If I uh, subtle strike, I still kill their creature. I still save my bug catcher. I get a comparable amount of damage because the subtle strike took away one of the toughness that's soaking up a trample damage and gave me an extra power to deal trample damage and now my bug catcher has three toughness and an extra power um, and I'm way better off. So yeah a bug catcher in particular is the card that most wants makes me want to err toward tricks. If I don't have bug catcher now I'm more willing to think like okay well maybe I want vanquish over a trick. The next question is on the subject of Sneaking uh, sneaking Guide and whether I play multiples of them and the answer is that I do. Uh, I don't prioritize having a lot of them but I think it's totally fine to play the second it's just like pretty unlikely that you draw both of them and uh, when you have one it's not that rare that like it's the thing your opponent needs to kill because you like get your opponent reasonably low on life and they're trying to stabilize and they can't try to kill like every two power creature you have so they try to kill your enabler instead and having multiples resists against that it's also uh if you have like demon's disciple you're happy to have just like an extra not particularly good one drop that you can sacrifice instead of sacrificing a more expensive creature because it's not like you're making tokens or something in this archetype so um I, I think it's like totally safe to play a second sneaking guide if you're looking for another one drop or if you're looking for another rogue or if it's a playable that you have because um, like i'm going to prioritize it somewhat Uh, It's not a high pick or anything, but I'm going to look to pick one up late in the draft in, like, pack one, and then it's just reasonably likely that I'll get a second one for free later in the draft, and then it's just fine to end up needing to play with both of those cards in your deck. Um, Next question is, do I recommend a certain number of each party type in a party deck? So this kind of uh, gets to the thing that I was saying about, like, you know, in blue-white I love it if I can have, like, at least three uh, members of every class so that I can reliably get my full party payoffs whereas in red black like if I have you know no wizards except for like a stonework pack beast or maybe no wizards at all that's fine because none of my stuff cares about assembling an actual full party and it's all just like incremental payoffs and the cards are all good enough that I'm getting what I want out of them if I have just a party of two. So uh, th- there's not like a target number that I'm looking for. Uh, I'm just looking to play strong cards that uh, have a like consistent aggro plan. The next question is, do you like uh, Flameblade Charger in Red Black Party? And uh, if yes, um, do I need a certain number of Expedition Champion to play it? And I would also add a uh, or is there like an an equipment threshold where it becomes good and the answer is like if you're literally not doing anything with it if it's just one one is a warrior contributes to party uh gets to do a damage to something when it dies i probably don't want to put it in my deck but if i have like a ravager's mace uh or a relic axe it value its value goes up a lot if i have two of those now i'm like pretty happy to play with it and if I have uh subtle strikes that's another like nice thing to have with it um and uh expedition champions aren't going to like specifically point to that so much as they point to well you want to have you know enough wiz enough warriors to turn it on and if I feel like I'm not sure that it's going to be on very often then it's like well yeah that'll that'll you know tip the scales for me to play the flame village the fireblade charger uh so I mean I have Fireblade Charger as kind of a card that's like you cut it sometimes, but uh, not all that often. It's usually going to be good enough. Uh, there are a lot of one toughness creatures in the format. It's not hard to end up in a spot where your opponent like doesn't want to trade with it or something. So it's it is performed just fine for me. I, I don't think it's like a card that you should avoid playing. Uh, it's not a priority unless I have like a bunch of synergies for it. But that's that. It is possible that that happens. Next question is, does the number of tricks I already have changed the calculus on Vanquish versus a good trick? So the only spot where that would change the calculus is if I am so low on creatures that I don't know that I'm going to be generating combats. And honestly, the way that red-black is con- like constructed, especially red-black party, at that point I have bigger problems, right? Like I'm an aggressive deck that's trying to assemble multiple creatures in play to get paid off for having some kind of like... Uh, tribal synergies either multiple warriors or uh, a varied party Um, and if I've built my deck so that it's just like all removal spells and I'm playing red black I'm just gonna get buried by blue decks like it's not it's not gonna be like close I'm gonna get just straight embarrassed by blue decks or green decks Um, and I I think that uh, because other colors have such strong card advantage in this format you really do need to be aggressive or i mean you can try to grind with like thundering spark mage, blood beckoning type cards but it's it's not po battle like you, you i think that red black really wants to be closing like i'm not only aggressive because you know there's like a good two mana trampler that tells me that i can win by being aggressive i'm aggressive because the context in the greater format is that i'm aware of like what the late games look like in Blue decks, and I'm aware of like how powerful like the kicker cards are that I just don't really have a lot of access to. So um, I really am focusing on using my non-creature spells to do damage to my opponent to end the game before I lose to like the other stuff that's out there. And so if I'm in a spot where I want to play Vanquish rather than another, another trick, because I'm not sure that I can generate combat. I just want to cut some spells and find some more creatures to put in my deck um, so that's the you know wordy and detailed explanation version of nah i don't care about vanquish give me the trick um, what are my thoughts on the four three and three four four drop rogues and warriors available for the archetype are they just filler yeah they're just filler um Obviously, the one that can get tramp the one that can get haste, is an amount better than the one that can't get haste. Um, it's like not that much bigger, but I am so frustrated by needing to play the strictly worse one that, like, I definitely care about the difference and try to avoid playing the black one, the black four-three four, warrior instead of the red four-three warrior. Um, and it's like this archetype is not playing games that are long enough and not doing enough to enable. Uh, Nemana Skitter, uh, whatever it is, the four three the uh, three four that uh, gets an extra power and menace when your opponent has a large graveyard, like that's uh, like just not a realistic goal for red black party. If you play that, you're playing it as a three four rogue, and it's unlikely at that point in the game, given your strategy, that is a rogue is more is a better payoff than Spitfire Legac, uh, which is the landfall the three, four, four, four that has landfall do a damage um, to your opponent so when when i'm looking at this card and i'm saying well this is like worse than Ligach, spitfire Lagak. spitfire Lagak is already a card that i frequently cut from my deck so um all, all of those like four drop just like here's the body um is are solid solidly in filler i what i want is for my four drop stuff to be thundering spark mage and uh zygris and shatter skull minotaur when i have party friends um, and uh empty space because i've already i just play another three drop or i play a two drop and a trick um like i I don't want a lot of four drops and the four drops that i have i want them to be really good um so yeah uh they are playable it's not the worst thing ever if you have to put like a couple of vanilla four drops in your deck but they are very much not what i'm looking for uh they don't they don't end the game fast enough. They don't uh, it, like they get they trade down uh, and they don't and they, they they do trade down and they don't trade up. When people spend more than four mana for a creature, they get a creature that embarrasses those things. Um, you know, they get like a pyros, uh, pyroclastic hellion or uh, the like six five trampler that picks up lands in green. Then you know these these things trade with other three and four drops. So I don't know. They're not they're not doing anything for me. Uh, all right, that rounds out my current question queue. Uh, are there any any late additions or if we're satisfied uh, then we can move on. All right, uh, and by move on I mean wrap up. So once again uh, thank you everyone for tuning in, checking out this uh, bonus segment, and uh, thank you especially Everyone who hung out in the chat uh, listened to this live and was here to uh, ask questions to cover anything to Clue me in on anything. I didn't cover to make sure that uh, this is the most useful it can be to my audience Which is absolutely my priority Um, And again uh, Really appreciate any feedback anyone wants to give on any platform. You can send me a direct message on Twitter. You can message me on discord you can Uh, post in the Drafting Archetypes channel on the Challenging Assumptions Discord. You can tweet at me. You can leave a comment on uh, any of the various podcast apps where you can uh, rate things. If you want to do all of the above, even better. Um, But uh, yeah, appreciate all of the community engagement. I'm absolutely doing this because I... uh, just strongly believed that I had a great way to help people draft and seeing people tell me that it's helping them in any capacity is just super encouraging and uh, thank you all so much for that and that will uh, conclude this week's episode. Thanks again and goodbye.